Welcome to the BNP Rome Podcast, Season 2. Once again, this is your host, Brian, and as always, thanks for joining me. Welcome to bonus episode 31, um, point 22. B is for Don't Look Up, an instant reaction podcast. Why, you may wonder, do I usually label the bonuses with the point 21? Well, to be honest, it's a silly reason. Uh, when I created that in 2020, I was just riffing on a bit from my favorite movie, Back to the Future, with Doc Brown's 1.21 gigawatts. That's all. But now that I look at it, I can actually see how I can align the bonus episodes with the years they come out in from here on out. So this one works perfectly. I'll just go with 0.22. But then again, having said that, hmm, boy, we are really digging into the batter's box here, going seriously inside baseball. Sorry about that, but it is rare that I put out two bonus episodes between two main episodes, so if I do this again, well, I'm not sure what I'll do. Perhaps just stick to the 0.21, or I guess I could go 0.22 and then 0.23. Yeah, probably the latter, that makes sense. Anyway, who cares about all that? Today's episode is about 30 minutes of my instant reaction recorded, well, instantly, after viewing the new Netflix movie Don't Look Up, starring Leonardo DiCaprio, Jennifer Lawrence, Meryl Streep, and Jonah Hill, and directed and written by Adam McKay, he of the big short fame and a ton of Will Ferrell flicks from the aughts, as well as being an executive producer on the excellent HBO series Succession. According to the description of the movie from the Internet Movie Database, Two low-level astronomers must go on a giant media tour to warn mankind of an approaching comet that will destroy planet Earth. And yeah, that pretty much sums it up, although it's a lot more than that. Now, before we get into the show, I need to say two things. First, there's one more person in my reaction that I forgot to talk about and give credit to, and that is writer David Sirota, who wrote the story for this movie. Sirota is a journalist and a man who I've tangentially admired over the years. Uh, He was also part of Bernie Sanders' campaign team. And I know I've read some of his journalism and enjoyed some of his tweets and started what appears to be an excellent podcast he is behind, which is exclusively available from Audible, called Meltdown. And according to its description, Meltdown is a look at how the 2008 financial crisis and the government's botched multi-billion dollar bailout is the skeleton key that unlocks almost every big thing that's gone wrong in America in the 21st century, from climate change to the all-out assault on democracy to the rise of white nationalism. Again, I've only listened to the very start of that, so I can't say if I recommend it or not, but it sounded like it would be pretty interesting. I'm bringing this all up just because I forgot to mention Sorota's role in the movie Don't Look Up, and how, on one level, he comes from a similar populist distrust and critique the elites place that I come from. Uh, We do have our differences, to be sure, uh, and I'll leave that there. Now, the second thing I need to say and be very clear about is this is most definitely a spoiler edition of this movie and this show. Um, In fact, I opened the episode with the very last part of the movie, which you have to watch to the very end of the credits to see. 
I'm telling that to those of you who have seen the movie but maybe didn't watch all the way through. There are two scenes. Now, I will say to those who haven't seen it, I would definitely recommend this movie if you are interested in the insanity of our times, especially in the United States, and how media is impacting our ability to communicate or not, or you just enjoy watching humans and other forms of life deal with the impending end of life on Earth. If you're that latter person, what are you, a sicko? <laughs> okay, folks, that's all I have, so I'll play a little musical transition, and then, yes, as I said, spoilers begin. You have been warned. Enjoy the show. What's up, y'all? I'm the last man on Earth. Don't forget to like and <laughs> shit's fucked up. Don't forget to like and subscribe. This is my instant reaction, spoiler edition, <laughs> for the movie, uh, Don't Look Up, on Netflix. And uh, yeah, it was actually, well, it's extremely thought-provoking and intense in a lot of ways. Um, well, yeah, and I've never done one of these instant reactions. I took a lot of notes throughout. Um I think I knew, so halfway through, I was, uh, maybe I'll play that clip, but I didn't really, maybe I didn't fulfill the goal, but I kind of stopped, actually I stopped to take a nap, to be honest, because it was nap time for me, I'm like a little baby, um, <laughs> but I stopped it to uh, kind of ask the question, like, where do I think this is going, and what would I do if I was the writers, and I don't really remember what I said, but I, uh, I think... I felt that the thing was going to hit, like there was kind of no way to stop it, you know, because um, that's kind of the setup that they had, and they set it up that we humans are too full of ourselves and uh, too busy paying attention to nonsense to actually get the job done. If we, if there is a, if there is even a scientifically possible way to quote unquote get the job done, um, and uh, but yeah. So I pretty I did expect that the thing was going to hit. Um, I didn't know how they were going to get there. I didn't really put a lot of thought into how I would handle it as a writer because I was kind of, you know, um, I went into this movie a little skeptical just because I know. OK, well, a few things. First, uh, the director and writer, Adam McKay, I've heard him. Um, he did. Hold on. He, I've heard him on a podcast before, and I know he's really intelligent, and he did the movie The Big Short, which I thought was great, and he's also one of the producers behind um, Succession, which I think is great, um, but like I went into this movie a little bit concerned, uh, just in the sense that, you know, and like Leo DiCaprio's in it, I love Leo, I've always been a fan. I like Jennifer Lawrence and Meryl Streep. I mean, the cast is great. Jonah Hill. It's a great cast. So I knew it was going to be a well-done movie. You know, I knew that. And I knew the topic was, you know, something that I was really interested in, which is, you know, how our world media um, culture would handle the apocalypse, you know. Um, I guess right up my alley. My friend John told me, he's like, yeah, I watched this movie and I thought of you. Um, so, yeah, absolutely 
I've been excited to watch this movie when I heard about it. Um, but my concern was more along the lines of, well, there's people like Ariana Grande in the movie. And um, I don't know much about her, but a while back, maybe about a month ago, within that this last month, she did a, uh, a cringy song with Jimmy Fallon about getting your booster. Um, and so my concern is just that, you know, Hollywood and kind of... Uh, I am, you know, I'm I'm a iconoclast as far as where I am on uh, the coronavirus in a lot of ways. But I'm someone who comes out of the left, but on the pandemic, like I find a lot of the kind of more quote unquote conspiracy theory media has actually been right. Um, and then the people who are aligned with the way that the Facebooks and the Zuckerbergs and the left and the, you know, the Bidens and all these people are kind of you know, Fauci, they're, they're totally, they're off their rocker. And so it was interesting. There was a scene where Ariana Grande, you know, her character is like a pop star and she sings this song. It's actually not a bad song. Um, and she sings this line about like trusting the, you know, um, established scientists or something. And I thought, well, this is strange for me. It's like some cognitive dissonance because yeah, she qualified, trusting the qualified scientists. Um, and I thought I had this cognitive dissonance because I'm like, well, yeah, in this movie, like the Leo character and the Kate character are the qualified scientists. And although, yeah, at that point, yeah, Leo has had his meltdown where he's, you know, finally seen through the bullshit and like stopped spinning bullshit to the American public. Um, and so, and yet Ariana in real life is allied with what I think are the quote fake scientists, the people who are spinning the bullshit, the Fauci's of the world. Like Fauci to me is what, um leo was in the first like probably the middle third of the movie where he was acting like he was um well as the guy the uh the media guy isherwood says the scene where he's talking he um says that you know you think you're motivated by high ideals but you chase pleasure and you avoid pain and like you know i think fauci is i don't know if he chases pleasure and avoids pain but you know he's clearly this kind of savior guy and yet his career um from reading you know, I've been reading the Robert F. Kennedy Jr. book, and I knew about Fauci also from some of the investigative journalists that I've been following, um, that his career is not allied with him being a trusted, qualified scientist. So, But yet Ariana Grande is out there um, doing this song um, in support of people like Fauci. And yet on the movie, it's like she's supporting the scientists who are, you know, so it's, there's that cognitive dissonance. And um, that was weird. Uh, you know... Um, when I watch, I mean, there's, I'm just going to kind of go randomly around my notes, but Leo's meltdown when he finally, you know, speaks the truth on the TV network. It's a great scene. And, it, you know, of course, it's echoing the famous scene from the movie Network. Um, and, you know, I think he's right. He's saying we're all too pleasant and too clever. Um, and uh, yet this is serious and we're all going to fucking die kind of thing, you know. Um, you have to accept that we have our human limitations. And it's also, here's something interesting that I don't think probably anybody's really going to note um, about this movie, but maybe, you know, a lot of people are having their reactions, but it's a very subtle scene, but the guy, so the Isherwood character who is like, you know, kind of the Mark Zuckerberg type guy, you know, the technology will save us. And, you know, he's the one who stops the initial plan from going out um, to blow up the thing. And he's got his own plan because they're going to mine the minerals and, you know, make a bunch of money for the cell phone companies and save humanity. And we're going to end poverty and all this. And it's very much kind of aligned with, 
you know, the way the kind of World Economic Forum has been talking about uh, the coronavirus. So that was all really interesting, the echoes. You know, I mean, throughout the movie, there's all these fascinating echoes on our culture and what's going on now. And so I could talk a long time about it all. Um, but, yeah, I'm going to read it. He said, when these treasures from heaven are claimed, poverty as we know it, social injustice, loss of biodiversity, all these multitudes of problems are just going to become relics of the past, and humanity is going to ride through the pillars of Boaz and Joaquin, naked into the glory of a golden age, interplanetary, interstellar, intergalactic existence for the human race. Now, I, I underlined, I have to look up what is the gates of Boaz and Joaquin, but yeah, that was, um, you know, it's very much kind of the flowery language of the w, World Economic Forum, you know, how the great, you know, their great reset of the Klaus Schwab's of the world and the fourth industrial revolution. And, you know, you will own nothing and you will be happy and all that bullshit that they kind of try to spin at us. Um, so the movie, I think, was the movie did a good job in kind of being critical of the hubris of the concept of tech will save us, you know. Um, uh, and yet it's also almost saying that if they just gone through with the original plan, the original scientific plan, it would have saved us. But the fact, oh, so maybe what the movie is saying is like, if we actually followed pure science, like these two scientists, there are just a nobody and his grad student and gone through with what, you know, their, their conclusion was, and then gone through with the original plan, then that could have saved us. But the problem was that big money and our greed and our hubris, um, intervened and our government is bought out by that so that's really good comment social commentary i like that a lot uh and i very much agree and that's the thing when i talk to people about you know when i say the science like to me the whole thing about the science and fauci being i am the science it's corrupted science by capitalism by industry by greed it's not the real science so if you're following and still believing um people like Fauci and you know as far as our current situation is going on like I would say you're following and you know and it's interesting because Fauci is a lot you know the social media you know who this Isherwood character um well, I'm gonna get I was gonna make a comment about him in a minute that I said a minute ago um you know the, the kind of I think the movie has got it kind of got the right angle on it where it's like that's not the real science. That's the hubris science. And um, so the Isherwood character, he names his his robot. The robots are named Primo, or maybe that was the first one he was talking. I don't know. But he said, "I'm your father, Kronos." And Kronos is uh, the Greek, or no, the Roman. I can't remember which, but um, it's the same figure as Saturn. And you know, being a student of astrology, I was like, "Whoa, this guy is claiming to be Saturn, and yet he's more like." A corrupted Uranus, um, where he thinks he's, you know, going to save us with all his technology, or you know, well, the, in the myth, it's not quite perfect, but um, you know, Saturn is more actually uh, has integrity and is honest and is like, here's the actual truth of the matter. So him naming himself that, it's a big. He's like, you know, he's a very demonic type character. You know, he's very much the father of lies, um, and. I talked in my Capricorn podcast about how, and I want to look into this more, but like I said on that, I did look into it a little bit, and it's like there's some debate, but, you know, Saturn, Satan, um, the Gnostic idea of Saturn is like, it's kind of like the eye in the sky, and it's sort of almost like the what the Satan archetype evolved into, 
Um, and, you know, it certainly sounds Saturn and Satan and then Saturday, you know, um, Satan day, you know, day of debauchery. Um, but anyway, regardless, it's interesting to make these connections. And I think that, uh, our character, Mr. Isherwood is definitely a Luciferian, um, you know, telling us this false promise that if you just believe in me and like, we're going to get through this. And then, you know, if you watch the movie and I, you know, like I said, this is total spoiler edition, but you do have to watch all the way to the end. Actually, there's like two kind of Indian Indians. I started the episode with the very, very end. Um, but that when you have to go through all the credits to get to that part, but the first inning where they come back 22,000 years in the future and the earth has these cool looking animals. And then, yeah, the president Meryl Streep gets eaten by the, that was a good, a good humorous <laughs> ending because, you know, it ends on such a, it's a beautiful but somber moment, and um, you know when the, the earth, and the, and I God, it's brilliant, like it's really emotional, like the way they showed the scenes around the Earth. And one thing I really appreciated about this movie was there were parts where they would show the natural world, and just to remind us that like this is not the end of just humanity and civilization. This is the you know all life on Earth is going to be impacted by this um, major event, planetary cataclysm, and. Um, I loved how they interspersed that, you know, and, uh, yeah, that was really good. So, and that, that, that aspect of it, I mean, there was a lot more depth to this than I thought there was going to be. Um, and so I'm pretty, overall, I'm giving this a pretty positive review and I want to watch it again at some point, but, um, and now I'm going to talk, let's see. Um, well, it's interesting. I, I do want to bring this up on a personal level. So back in like October, I had a dream of the apocalypse and it was kind of like the ending of this movie in a way, because in the dream, um, like there were these tidal waves coming and I had met these people and I was with people I cared about and it wasn't really that clear, but I'd met these people who had this big boat and they were this really loving couple, but, and they were like, we have rooms for some people to come on the boat. Um, we're going to try to ride the tidal waves out. Um, and this connects to there's a uh, a series I'm watching a guy a scientist on YouTube that I watch uh, suspicious observers and he's actually you know he's kind of a uh, what a, a heterodoxical um, scientist who's critical of climate change and the NASA models and he um, has done a pretty deep research has devoted his life's work to this idea that there is this catastrophe coming this 12,000 year catastrophe with the sun. Um, so, you know, I've been watching this video for, for this, this series since like probably end of 2020. So for a little bit over a year. And, um, so, you know, this thought is in my mind and for the longest time, everyone, I've had these, well, okay. From like the year 2000 until around 2010, I would have this dream every once in a while of, being there was like a tsunami and I was at a beach and I was running to get up to the hill and then quite very interestingly after the earthquake and tsunami of 2011 here in Japan I hadn't had dreams like that they'd stopped um, but then here this past fall I had this dream and you know I'm getting on this boat and these two couples like an elderly couple and they're like they had the this private room on a boat and they're like we just we're, we're gonna you know get people on the boat. That's fine. But we're going to go in this private room and we're going to lock the door and we're and they went in and they were there naked together for the death, for the, the apocalypse. And it was a really beautiful thing. And then, um, and meanwhile in the dream, I was, uh, 
So I really related to in this movie the character that uh, Jennifer Lawrence is Yule, the, her boyfriend that she has there, because you know he's like I, I uh, you know I found my like I used to be evangel evangelical. I, that wasn't me, by the way. I was Presbyterian, but you know, but I found my own way back to God. And then he gives that really beautiful prayer at the dinner table, and comforts the whole group, even though they're not, you know. Not, he says, "Dearest Father." And Almighty Creator, we ask for your grace tonight, despite our pride, your forgiveness, despite our doubt. Most of all, Lord, we ask for your love to soothe us through these dark times. May we face whatever is to come in your divine will with courage and open hearts of acceptance. And, you know, it's a really beautiful um, passage. And it showed that, you know, and, I, and it, again, this is something I appreciated from the movie. It was like it showed that having a religious um, connection to the divine actually when it gets down to the end can be of great comfort to those even those who haven't had that connection um and so i related to that because in that dream i had that was kind of the role i took i was very much at ease with like okay we're, we're going to die and it's okay everybody and people were turning to me for guidance and people who normally wouldn't have um you know and yeah so that was kind of poignant for me. And then the ending, you know, like having them at their dinner table and just the kind of final scene where they're just talking about just life and just kind of what seems like tedious things. And then, you know, the ending with Leo, what Leo says is like, I'm not going to say that, although I've spoiled the whole fucking thing. So I might as well just say it. Um, uh, think, think of it is we really did have everything, didn't we? You know? Um, and you know, that's just kind of the reflecting on how much we take things for granted and, um, gratitude, you know, gratitude. If we can really, vi uh, you know, I've done a lot of work with gratitude meditations and uh, I do a gratitude kind of, it's part of my practice every day. Um, and I've done gratitude journals and things. And yeah, when you really get, if you do it, like the thing about doing gratitude is that you be grateful for the most little things. Like, I'm, you know, I, I, I did one for a while, whereas I would do 10 things and I would just immediately, you know, I've done three, I've done 10. And it's like, I'm grateful for this guitar capo that allows me to play the guitar and, you know, stretches out the ability to play the guitar in different keys. I am grateful for this pair of underwear that um, keep me, keep my balls tucked into my body, you know, or whatever. Um, I'm grateful to this beautiful orange mechanical pencil that I have here with many different pens and colors. It's so convenient and so light and so well crafted, you know, whatever. Um, and it lifts up your your you know your vibration your feeling because you're like yeah I have a lot I have a lot and um and then you become less like you know there's the woman that's played by Kate Winslet the news anchor and at the end what she just wants to do is get drunk and make fun of everybody and it's like you know that's just no no way to live you know um and yeah there's a, you know so there's yeah it's a really interesting movie I'm gonna cut this here in a minute i'm trying to think if there's anything else i want to say but you know obviously i have spoiled it all but the point of me talking here was to just kind of talk about it fully um oh i want to say at the ending like the dig at the media where they show the obviously it was cvn but the cnn thing and the guy's like the comet remains intact and like meanwhile there's like people running 
by the screen and riders and stuff in the background. And then all of a sudden the green screen appears behind him and it just shows the fakeness of the whole thing and like the fakeness of their news reports. And he said, we just never dot, dot, dot. And I finished a sentence like believed it could fail, believed the plan could fail. Um, and But then I wrote, actually, what I really think is we believed our own BS. And that was a commentary on the, the CNN type networks. You know, and in the right wing media, they have this thing, the Patriot News Network. And he's like, of course, there's only one story everyone's talking about tonight. Topless urgent care centers. And, you know, that was a commentary on how the right wing media has, you know, focused on these things that, you know, they're issues. But like, are they the issue, you know, and they're distractions. And, um, you know, I so I like that. That was a good little dig, too. Um, and. Yeah, so let's see. There, I'm just gonna look, make sure I don't have anything else here from my notes. Um, I mean, there's a lot. There's a lot, and uh, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm gonna. Well, I'll put what I said at the beginning, in the middle of the movie, just so you can hear that. See what I said. You know what I thought. Um, yeah, I mean, I wrote that in the middle of the movie, or kind of right after the launch day, you know, how they show this scene of how overly proud everybody is of their ingenuity and mobilizing to take this thing on, but it still has this undertone of this is all a big show. Um, and then Leo says, everything is theoretically impossible until it is done. So he's still got that sign, the hubris, you know. Um, and the movie does have a lot, you know, and that's the, that prayer that he says at the end is, you know, we ask for your grace despite our pride, you know. And, you know, that's the American kind of character flaws, pride. Uh, and yeah, there was something else I was going to say about that, about pride. Hold on. Um, I don't have the pride thing, but there's something here's something good I wrote. So after the scene where Isherwood, the, or Isherwall, the, the Zuckerberg type guy, takes down our Leo and says he's going to die alone, I wrote, unless he changes. And I said, that's the weakness of deterministic predictive algorithms. Um, and he did change. And so he didn't die alone. And so that I like that, you know, and he changed right after that in the next couple scenes later. And then Kate says something to their friends, like they're not even smart enough to be as evil as you're giving them credit for. Um, and then, you know, I think that again is a commentary on some of the kind of what people call conspiracy culture talking about the Bill Gates of the world and stuff. And I, I've, that's one of the things I've said is like, I don't think my thing is that they're not that smart. And so, um, but the hubris is kind of the evil, you know? Um, so that's where I would sort of disagree. I mean, I agree with what she's saying, but I think, um, being so full of yourself and pure, proud and greed and full of hubris that, is in itself a form of evil, in my opinion. Um, so uh, there was one more thing I saw here. When, oh, so one thing, you know, I was... So one of my main critiques of kind of um, intelligent people and the kind of, you know, the educated classes is that it looks down. And there, there's some good aspects in this movie where um, the president gives a speech where she's like, you know why they want you to look up? Because they're looking down on you. They're looking their noses down on you. And, you know, that's kind of appealing to the populace, to the average assault of the earth types, um, because there's some truth in that, you know, that the people who go to colleges and are, are doing that. But in, even in the script, 
Um, there's a scene where there's this thing called like a launch challenge and people are like launching rockets into their faces and then they're showing all their injuries. And I, you know, I wrote the messages, the average people are dumb and I, I wrote boo. Um, but at the same time now I'm thinking about, it, I'm like, well, yeah, there are dumb people out there, you know? So I'm not going to deny that there are dumb people. And I think the movie does a good enough job of showing that a lot of Solon's quote unquote average people are actually very intelligent. Like, you know, the Kate's boyfriend there at the end of his speech becomes very intelligent. Um, and, uh, that was so, and, and then again, like the educated people, like the president and all them, and this Isherwood guy, like, you know, his, his algorithm does predict the death of the president because she doesn't change. Um, but he's too stupid to see it coming to warn her, you know? Like he's like, and then he, and then he's all like, everybody walk back up, back up, you know? So, um, yeah, he's too stupid or too hubristic. I don't know, but yeah. And it's interesting that actor, I didn't know who he was. And I wrote down that he's got some kind of like Christopher, um, what's, I'm sorry, Crispin Glover type kind of vibe to him. Um, but it turns out according to my, according to IMDB, that he's like one of the considered one of the greatest, uh, stage actors of his generation and all this. And, um, and he was in some Spielberg movie that I never saw that came out a couple years ago that got well reviewed. So, um, yeah, I have more stuff, but I'm going to, uh, yeah, I'm going to keep it here cause I didn't, I wanted to keep this like 20, 25 minutes and, uh, yeah. Uh, but yeah, good movie, very thought provoking and I'm sure I could have more to say. I was going to do a blog post about it and I still might, I still might write a blog post, but I was going to do an instant reaction blog post, but I thought I'll just do it as a podcast and put it out that way um, because it's easier to just kind of talk it out and write it out. So there you go, folks. That's my instant reaction for the movie Don't Look Up, on, available on Netflix, and I recommend you watch it and uh, give me your feedback. All right. And if you haven't watched I mean, obviously I just spoiled the whole fucking thing. So, um, yeah, hopefully you didn't, like, want to watch it. I, I gave the spoiler at the start, so you know, um, but yeah, let's talk about it. So hit me back. You can find me in the links. All right. In the, in the show notes. Thanks for listening. Okay. The very last part is, as I believe I promised in the chat there, what I was thinking about halfway through this movie. And I honestly don't remember what I said. So you'll It'd be just as much a surprise to me as it is to you. So this is me speaking halfway through when the about the part of the scene where they were about to launch the first rocket to destroy the comet. All right. Enjoy. And then after that, the episode is over. So thanks again for listening. Okay, it's going to be easier if I do this audio. So we're halfway in this movie and as I was getting waking back up, I was thinking, I'm not sure I like what they did with the Leo character where, you know, he seems like a decent guy, but he's kind of, you know, he's, like, he's kind of high anxiety and stuff. And I get, then, uh, you know, I, I was like, yeah, all of a sudden now he's like, Oh, we, you know, like he's kind of playing the role of the scientist who's telling the meet the world, you know, we've got this under control and, um, trust us. And, and meanwhile, he's gotten seduced by this anchor woman, um, and I was like, do I like that? But then I thought, well, you know, here's a guy who, because of his unwillingness to speak up, um, to defend his grad student, uh, Jennifer Lawrence, um, in that moment, he is rewarded for it. And, you know, he's all of a sudden turned into this hunk and stuff. And so the world kind of, he went from being this 
crackpot guy who nobody believed and even his wife was kind of like you know like looking at him and his mission is like come on let's just go take a walk and so you know you can see there's some friction some uh <clears throat> some uh you know in the marriage that there's some tension and breaking apart and so then all of a sudden then because the president wants to save her fucking midterms then she decides you know uh, they're going to use this thing as a way to do that and this big campaign and make this hero story and all of a sudden you know they go on the well after hold on a sec hold on, hold on. i got the order a little bit wrong so yeah they went on tv and he was the calm one and he was the one the media and the public kind of was like, oh, this guy's a hunk or whatever. But Jennifer Lawrence was the one who was called crazy and turned into all this and that. Um, and then they went home and he was having this thing with his wife. So um, I get and then the president, then they, then they arrest them. And it's like, yeah, they make it kind of make sense, I guess. I mean, there's a lot of stuff in this movie that's like they're kind of being, you know, making fun of our culture and stuff. And like, I get it, but. You know, and then I I am glad they explained why Jennifer Lawrence with the bag put over their head. That was Jonah Hill's being basically just a dick, um, and uh, you know, and like he wasn't really like I'm trying to remember how he got a yeah they were they they just showed up at his door and then the black guy they did the kind of black guy takedown. So yeah, I get that. There's that kind of social messaging, um, and then. But yeah, like the fact that he got seduced by this woman and, you know, I think it's just that his ego is being stroked by and it hadn't been done before. And so that's why he's falling into this role. You know, now I'm going to answer my question. Where do I think this will go and where would I bring it? Like, it's not really my soul. Where will it, where will it go? Like, I kind of expect that. Um, oh, then the, the other thing before I say that, I don't like. You know, they they went they, they go over the top of that a lot of everything like which I understand that's kind of the way that the tone of this move this movie but you know like having her win by like ninety nine point seven percent she wins uh I don't know the polling in favor of her I'm like no that wouldn't happen you know no I'm sorry like you know I know they're saying this is an alternate reality but it's obviously a commentary on our own so I didn't like that that was way too over the top um but yeah um. And then now, so now where do I expect it to go? Like, I feel like they're going to fail um, because they're not taking this that seriously. You know, that's where I'm having a little trouble because I'm like, well, you know, our Leo character says the science is real and it will work. And But I think he's just, he's just kind of bullshitting the public because he's full of shit to himself right now. Um, and so it'll fail and the thing's going to hit the earth or they might do a kind of a comic ending or something. Yeah. I'm not really sure where they go that I'm very curious to see where they take it. Um, because that will ultimately be what kind of the whole story is about and the message. Um, but so far I generally have enjoyed it. Um, it's an interesting, you know, it's well done. It's well acted and there's some, you know, good comedy and, uh, yeah. And, uh, but, yeah, it's, I'll, I'll see where it's going, but I'm, I'm still a little bit. And where I would take it, I would, you know, I feel like I... It's mm, actually question. Like, yeah, I don't know, because... Hmm. 
Yeah, I'm not sure. I can't. I don't know where. I, I don't know where I'd want to take it. You know, that's partly why I'm having a little trouble with it. It's like, um, yeah, it'll be interesting. Let's see how they take it. Let's figure it. Out. I, I don't have an answer to that. So, okay.